Hey, this is Lee Snow, the preacher for the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ here in Columbus, Georgia. And you have found our podcast. We hope that this message inspires you, that it equips you, and that it builds your faith in Jesus Christ like never before. If you have any questions or you want to tell us your story, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out at any time. We are here for you. We're here for each other. And most importantly, we're here for the Lord. Hey church, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1. Everybody has plans and ideas of what's going to happen in the future. In fact, evolutionary biologists would say that the ability to plan and have dreams about where we want to be in the future is what separates you and me from the animal world. And you may not have a written five-year or one-year or 10-year plan or 20-year plan, but you have an idea of where you want to be in a set amount of time. I mean, isn't that what we ask kids all the time? We, we ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Hey, so I'm actually editing this video, uh, future Lee here, by the way. Um, I asked the kids from Warm Springs Road what they wanted to be when they grow up, and uh, some of them sent in videos. So I'm going to put them in right now, okay? So kids, look for yourselves. <laughs> I'm going to be so hero. <laughs> when I grow up, I'll be a firefighter. When I grow up, I want to be a veterinarian. When I grow up, I want to be an archaeologist. When I grow up, I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a soldier. I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a policeman. <laughs> Wasn't that cool? Anyways, back to the study now. We have all heard of this concept, this idea called the American dream. And that dream is different for every single person. It's defined differently for every single person. It, for one person, it might be a hundred thousand a year job with tax options, a good 401k, uh, the ability to to have a, a, a relatively large amount of vacation time and away from the office. For another person, the American dream may look like going out into the country, raising your own family, having a homestead, homeschooling your children and taking care of your family and growing closer together. It depends on who you are as to what that dream is. But I think we can all unanimously say that for the vast majority of people today, that plan, that dream, the American dream has been put on pause. Companies that were once building this or designing that have now completely stopped all production to put forward PPE for the hospitals and, and medical staff that... They're not even making money for it, but they see the need to do that to, to get us through this time. Well, regardless of what your idea is and whether or not it's on pause right now, which I'm going to venture to say the vast majority of us, like I said, have been put on pause. I know I had vacation time and I had trips planned and the church here had a lot of things on the, the, the schedule for the next few months and all of them have been put on pause. Well, regardless of that, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. 
In Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, a relative of Jesus, by the way, is going to have something like this happen. It's not a pandemic. It's not a a time where the, the global economy is halted or paused or something like that. But what happens in Luke 1 is Zechariah has a, an, an interaction with God that causes him to rethink his plans in the future. All right, so let's, let's just read it. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse number 5. In the, in the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Zechariah was, was one of the this smaller group of Levites called the the. Well, he says it in verse number five. He is the division of Abijah. In First Chronicles chapter 24, David actually separated Levites into different categories, different divisions. There's 24 of them. Abijah is the eighth, okay? So this is important to this text to see what's happening in the mind of Zechariah just as much as what's happening in his heart. So in order to become a priest like Zechariah was, First off, he had to be born into the Levitical tribe, but then also he had to be born into one of those 24 families inside of the Levitical tribe. He had to raise himself up, go to a rabbinical school and become a priest. And then out of all of his peers, he had to be decided that he was going to become part of this priestly class. So Zechariah's entire life has been built around being a priest in the order or the division of Abijah, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In fact, in order to be the, the order of Abijah or the division of, the, of Abijah, there's about five to 800 men that are in this category at this time. This guy is living the Levitical dream. Because there are so many people in his class of priests, so many jobs that needed to be done, a set number of jobs that needed to be done, realistically, if you got to chosen to do a single job, that job was the only time in your life you were going to be able to take part in that procession or in that action or something along those lines in the temple. So now let's move on. Verse number seven, there's a problem here though, okay? So Zechariah is a priest. He's he's trained himself for, for what he does in his life. He's married to a woman who is also from a priestly tribe or a priestly family. So man, Zechariah is living the Levitical dream. He is living the priest's dream. But verse number seven, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. But, verse 8, now while they were, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So here's the setting. His entire life has been built upon being a priest. 
doesn't have any children. He and his wife, their entire lives revolve around the temple. He's part of the small number, five, 800 people, five, 800 men, mind you, that would be able to go into the temple and do some priestly act. Every other person, every other man who lived in the Levitical tribe was able to be called a Levite, but he wasn't necessarily a priest. And now it comes to the point where it is Zachariah's job, the only time in his life that he's going to be chosen to light the incense. And now that time has come. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. This is, this is his day. This is his moment. If, if lighting the incense was his idea of, of the Levitical dream, this is it. Everything has set itself down right in line for Zechariah to fulfill his lifely mission. And everyone is standing outside in the court of the Gentiles or the inner court, and they are waiting for Zechariah to walk out with the fire and light the incense. Now, verse number 11, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord and must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And that he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts and hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah's whole life has been built upon this moment. And right now, everything is in place for that moment to actually happen. This is probably the only chance. This is definitely the only chance he's going to be able to light the incense in the temple. But this is probably the only chance that Zechariah will ever get to actually do a job in worship in the temple. And an angel appears and says, I know that you're advanced in years. I know that you're kind of old. I know your wife is, is a little older, um, but you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. He's going to come in the power of Elijah. He's going to get ready the, the people of Israel for the coming Messiah. Wait a second. I had a plan. I had a dream. And now you're telling me that that plan and that dream is, is on pause. Verse number 19. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until that day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. 
When he came out, he was unable to speak, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time, when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when, when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. So now, Zechariah's whole goal, his, his Levitical dream has been put on pause in a different way, but much like the dreams and aspirations and plans that you and I have had. Now, Zechariah's was put on hold in a miraculous way to bring about his son named John, who was going to come and going to tell people about his cousin, Jesus, who was the Messiah, who was going to die on the cross for the remission of everyone's sins, that was going to set apart the new kingdom, the new covenant under God, that was going to bring about a new religion called Christianity. I understand that, that Zachariah's situation is a little different than yours and mine when we have a cruise that needs to be paused or we have a trip that needs to be paused or or you know maybe you're in the situation where your company has put all of its future aside for a moment so that it could build supplies for the pandemic or your company has been paused for a moment and you don't know if it's actually going to be able to restart after all of this is over. I understand that Zechariah's situation is different than ours, but I think that the, the situations, both Zechariah's and ours, can come to the same conclusion. And that conclusion is God gets Zechariah's attention. And I think he can get our attention as well through all of this. He really does know what he's doing. He, he needed to ruin Zachariah's life plan so that he could come to a place where Zechariah was ready to step into something bigger, something more that God had planned for him. God doesn't have an individual um, itemized plan for your and my life. But he does have plans. And he does work those plans out to see us remain faithful to him, to provide opportunities for us to do uh, what he wants us to do and for us to follow him more effectively and more sufficiently. You know, the fact of the matter is that, especially in America, we will usually fight against the plans of God. Well, I know I need to give more money, but I'm just waiting for this moment. I'm trying to save up for this. I'm trying to get to this point. I, I, I don't get to go to worship as often as I like because Sunday is a work day for me. I would study more, but I'm just so busy. I've got so much to do at work and, and with my family and, you know, our boys playing baseball this season and, and practices are Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday nights. And then we got games on Saturday and man, listen, I, I, I want to come to Wednesday night Bible study, but I just can't. I've got to get some stuff done around the house. We will usually, when everything is normal, we will usually fight against the plans of God. Maybe, just maybe, this pandemic can have the same 
outcome as Zechariah's situation in Luke 1, even though they are directly because of different instances. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take and look at three different things that we need to remember when God gets our attention, especially in this time where fear is overwhelming people, where dread is, is really starting to set in. Zechariah understood these, these three things, and I think you and I need to as well. So number one, number one, God is sovereign. Above everything else, God is sovereign. Now, sovereignty is um, essentially the authority to make the decisions. When it comes to your family and your children, have you ever said these words? I want you to do this. And they say, why? And you say, because I said so. You are claiming sovereignty in that situation, in that, in, the, in that conversation. You're claiming sovereignty. That's essentially what God has over every single situation, over every single conversation. A good friend of mine, Jake Sutton, said this last week. There is not a single incident that is not intended for the good of the church. Abraham Kuyper, um, the prime minister of the Netherlands, once said this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Job chapter 42 verse 2 says this, I know that you can do all things and that no promise, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. The fact is that in this situation, even though this pandemic didn't necessarily come from God, you and I serve a God that is wholly, ultimately, and providentially sovereign. He makes the decisions. The reason why this pandemic is here is because our God allowed it to happen. Now, that might bring up some, some confusion and some, some questions as far as why would God this, allow this to happen. But the fact is that, that he did. He has allowed this to occur. And I think the good that can come out of this is that he's getting yours and my attention. Number two, God, even though he's sovereign, he's also good. You see, knowing that God is sovereign, that he makes all the decisions, doesn't necessarily mean that those decisions are going to be good for you and for me. A, a dictator of a country is sovereign, but he's not making good, wholesome, loving, compassionate decisions on behalf of his people most of the time, right? So just because he's sovereign, there's also another step that needs to be there if we're going to put our trust in him through all of this. And that is, he needs to be good. When it comes to God, he is the definition of good. I want to read to you four different Bible passages. Are you ready? Psalm chapter 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. First Chronicles 16, 
verse 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And my favorite, Mark 10, 18. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You and I serve a God that is sovereign over this situation and over Zechariah's situation in Luke chapter one. But we also serve a God that is ultimately good with his sovereignty. He is making the right decisions for you and for me. And that brings us to number three. God is sovereign, God is good, and God is for your good. Just because he's sovereign, we need to go a step further and see if he's if he's going to make the right decisions. Okay, well, he's the source of good, but does that mean that those decisions in his sovereignty are actually for our good or are they just for his good since he's the source of goodness? Well, number three, God is for your good. If God is good, if He everything he does is good, then everything that he does for you and for me is also for our good. He loves you. He doesn't have ulterior motives or a hidden agenda. He's going to make us more and more like Jesus through his decisions and his sovereignty that he puts us into situations like this. Now, those things might not always feel good, but they are for our good. Romans 8, verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Pause for just a second and think about the man that just wrote that verse. Paul, who's been shipwrecked and beaten and hated and stabbed and or stoned rather and, and, and robbed and everything else, says that God's sovereignty and goodness has worked for his good. This is not the only time he says this, but this is my favorite time that he says this. None of this means that God directs the details of our lives in a way that makes sense to us either. It might not always feel good in the moment, but it also most likely doesn't make sense when we're in the middle of it. I, can, I for one, can, can attest to this. This situation doesn't make sense. Why wasn't our government prepared with PPE and those sorts of things? Why did we not do this? Why did we do this? Why are we extending it? Why are we not extending it? I've had all of these questions. And if you're honest, you've had these same questions too. But God has put us into this situation in his sovereignty to get our attention so that we can understand he is sovereign, that we can understand that he is good, and we can understand that if we will look to him, everything will work together for those who love God and those who are according, uh, called according to his purpose. In reality, we often say that the safest place on earth is to be in the center of God's will. But realistically, sometimes... The center of God's will is the most dangerous place for us to be. We have to be okay with that fact. Job chapters 40 through 42 are a pretty interesting study. If you read those passages, 
what it is is a conversation between Job, who has had some very horrible things happen to him. He's lost his family. He's lost his livestock. He's lost his, his livelihood. His American dream has been completely destroyed by the actions of Satan at the sovereign decisions of God. And that conversation, God and Job have, have this back and forth and in there, essentially what God says is, Job, where were you when I founded the world? Where were you when I laid the foundations? Where were you when I created the animals? Where were you when I set the stars in motion? Where were you when I did this? Essentially what he's saying is, Job, you don't have what it takes to be me. So stop trying to put yourself into my situation. Stop trying to say that you would make better decisions. Now, I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says that we need to pray for our leaders. You are not one of those leaders, so you need to be praying for them, and right now may not be the time to critique them. But I can guarantee you that right now is not the time to critique God, because he is sovereign and he is good, and whatever he does is for your good and my good, even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment. We are going to make it through this. We are going to be stronger at the end of this than we were at the beginning. If we will remember that God is still in control, that he is good, and that everything he does is for our good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we pray that you will give us another day tomorrow. Father, we thank you for the chance to study. We thank you for the chance to get to know you even closer. Father, please be with us so that we can remember who you are, remember your nature, remember your sovereignty, and understand that even though we don't understand what's going on right now, you are in control and we will be okay. We love you. We pray for those that are on the front lines of fighting this pandemic. And Father, we pray that you will help us to get through this. In Christ's name. Amen.